Hello from Maui, Hawaii. It's the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And my name is Michael Benner. I'm very happy to be with you today. Again, good morning from uh, Hawaii. And uh, good afternoon for most of the United States. It's 1 o'clock if you're listening live. Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern, 20 GMT. And uh, we're here every Sunday at this time. If... uh, Somebody told you about this, and you're not getting the email that is really a newsletter with an inspirational quote and a little lesson for you to ponder during the week, as well as the invitation to this event every Sunday, all of which is free, of course, including the archives of the newsletters and the uh, programs themselves, the audio archives. Uh, Go to the website, theagelesswisdom.com, and the first thing you'll see is a big button that says free newsletter. Send your friends there, take your friends there, and uh, go there yourself if you want to receive the newsletter with the regular invitation. Usually it arrives on Thursday or Friday, usually Friday, with a brief reminder on Sunday morning. And I also wanted to mention, um, I never thought to mention this before, but somebody brought it to my attention. I think it's a great idea to help get the word out. We're waging inner peace here, if nothing else. A lot of folks are looking for this information. Write a review for this program as a podcast on the iTunes Music Store. Whether you listen to the podcast, which is available at the website as well as the uh, audio archives, or uh, whether you listen to the replay on the Internet, uh, maybe you're listening live, uh, whatever the case. And... uh, you can go to the iTunes. It would help us a lot is what I'm trying to say. If you give us a nice review, an accurate and honest review is what I'm looking for. And I know you will if you're interested in the program, the iTunes Music Store. PC or Mac, you can all have iTunes for free. It's a great podcatcher, probably the best. They invented it. And a wonderful way to organize your music, your audio books, uh, programs like this. Uh, a lot of a lot of people like to download these as well as listen streaming, and then there's the podcast, and then listen live on the telephone, and we want you to have as many options as possible. Uh, any questions? Of course, you can email me at uh, my initials at my name dot com, mb at michaelbenner dot com, and uh, I'll remind you of a couple other things at the end to, uh, here today. Hope you're all feeling well, and as we stand on the threshold of a brand new month and the Labor Day weekend, uh, they call it the last weekend of summer. We could see it as the uh, first weekend of uh, autumn, one of the most beautiful times of the year, a time when it appears that there's great loss and even death, but we see through winter, of course, and into spring, uh, the cyclic nature of things. All things have their seasons. So do you and I, and I hope uh, all of your biorhythms and other cycles, uh, your stars, your fates, are lining up nicely with your uh, free will. Funny how people do an either-or on that, right? And it's both. Today we're going to talk about uh, mysticism, uh, comparative philosophy, comparative religion, not-so-comparative, exclusive religion, and where do we stand when we say, and we hear it a lot, don't we? And I wonder if you say it. Uh, let me know with that box on the bottom of the web page there. Put a little comment in there. People who say, well, I'm not really religious, 
but I'm a spiritual person. I, I try to do the right thing. I have fleshed out some sort of uh, code of ethics, and uh, I'm learning to like who I am and to appreciate who I am. But no, I don't really go to church, and the truth is I don't really uh, find much for me in religion. And good for those that do. You know, this is not a day where we're going to put down religion or demean um, anybody who happens to be religious. There's there's lots to criticize in people who happen to be in a religion, uh, acting through a religion, that self-righteousness, or outside a religion. To, we're not going to just, you know, pretend that uh, religion is wrong and evil. To do that would be rather religious, wouldn't it? And <laughs> rather exclusive. We don't want to make that same mistake. We just sort of want to, like Rodney King, get along with people. We have a sense. Uh, those of us who think of ourselves as spiritual but not really religious, uh, we're trying to get along with everybody. We have a sense that nature is harmonious and we can live in harmony with our human nature if we but knew ourselves. But fear and government and corporate power, uh, other institutions, banks and such get in the way. And they are determined to use fear to keep the world divided which keeps us frightened, which keeps us divided. There's another cycle, but it's sort of on the dark side, isn't it? And uh, so the only way to oppose that is to bring light into it. You don't have to kill anything. We're not going to eradicate by slaying the dragon here. We're going to bring harmony, light, and understanding to a situation. And uh, that's how you fix it. That's how we solve problems. So... Where do we stand as spiritual but not religious people? And are we mystics? Are we all mystics? Now, let's start there, okay? And um, I'm just going to sort of freely associate here uh, today because there's just so much in this field. But I do want to talk about religion a little and um, reflect on it. Um, and it is fascinating, the whole idea of religion. And you know, my wife Doreen just said to me this morning, we were watching a little bit of Meet the Press, and uh, she turned to me and she said, why, why do people believe in creation as some kind of viable theory when we have all of this evidence that the earth is more than 6,000 years old? Why, why couldn't both things be true? You know, my pet peeve about false dichotomies and binary thinking has driven me crazy for 40 years on the radio and and elsewhere. Why do people have this either-or mentality? Why can't they think God created evolution, you know? And uh, we were talking about that for many people, unfortunately, religion is a refuse, a refuge, um, a place to, to go to feel safe and comfortable if you don't really want to do the work, if you don't really want to reflect on who you are, if you don't want to read the great philosophers, the women and men of all cultures and all ages, and what they've had to say so that you can sort of find your own place. And instead, they want other people to do it for them. Hence, the church. Okay. And dogma. In other words, spiritual principles that are not only incomplete and rather elementary, but 
become inflexible, crystallized, if you will, or concretized into these rules that you have to believe. Okay, so then you have to wonder, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna hold off on picking on Christianity here. I want to pick on all the religions a little bit and, and pull out, um, whatever we can find that is wonderful and true and helpful and then critically examine as people who love science, who are really searching for truth. You know, that's where science and philosophy comes together and really stands outside of religion is that it's a search for truth. I'm not sure religion can say in, in any of its organized forms, uh, its exclusive memberships, that it's really searching for truth. You know, it doesn't seem to be uh, looking around. And uh, so, again, we could look at it just from the point of view of this curse of binary thinking when people are uninformed. I like the new term on cable TV now uh, for people who don't read. Um, they're called low-information voters. I think it's a, a nice way to refer to the reality I mean, I have a friend who just calls them stupid people, and I, <laughs> he gets so frustrated. Nothing drives him. I, I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and, and I'll say, well, it's not that they're stupid. You know, they're brilliant. They're magnificent beings. You know, that which is divine is in all things, and uh, they want the same thing, too. They just may not know it. What do we want? We all want to be loved. That simple. We, we are love. That's the conundrum. Uh, we want to hug. We want to feel safe, and we want to know everything's going to be okay. And we can do that for each other in this world because living in separate bodies is scary. So that's what we have to do. Now, to make a religion out of that is fascinating. And I'm not even sure that Eastern religions are religions. And that many Westerners who are exposed to the Judeo-Christian concepts of religion, and now, of course, Islam in the strangest of ways, really presume, I think many presume, that Eastern religion is just a version of religion on the other side of the world. But it's a very different process. Let's go here. Let's go to, and I touched on this in the newsletter this week, the three basic types of religion. Not the three religions, for there are scores. But uh, we can divide them, first of all, into the Western monotheistic religion. That would be one type. The Judeo, that's the, uh, the Judeo-Christian, that's the Hebrew Bible, the uh, teachings of the Hebrew people, um, Moses, basically the Pentateuch and probably other books written by or assembled by Moses who was raised as an Egyptian prince and was steeped in a hermetic or Egyptian philosophy, Hermes Trismegistus. Um, so Egypt leads to the Jewish people. Out of that comes a rabbi named Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, uh, the title being Christ, like Sir Jesus. And um, it means the Redeemer, the Savior, the Way, um, the Prophet, uh, the one who's going to explain to you what you need to know to follow him and to be like him, right? To develop your sense of who you really are. Judeo-Christian, and then about, uh, you know, if uh, if Jesus of Nazareth lived maybe 
1,500 years after Moses. Then it was another 500 years when Muhammad came along, the prophet of Islam, and revealed the, um, the, the, the word of Allah. All right. who is not different from God in the Christian sense, remembering that Jesus was a Jew, is a Jew, and um, a rabbi, so Judeo-Christian. You could say Christianity, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you could say Christianity is a cult of uh, a spin-off, a, a sect of Judaism. It really is. you know. And... Um, most uh, Muslims today honor that. They recognize Jesus. They may not think he's God. Surely if they did, then they'd be Christians, right? But they honor him as a great teacher and a prophet, Moses likewise. And all of them, all three of these, trace their lineage. The Muslim, the Jew, and the Christian all honor and trace their lineage to Abraham, this uh, this guy with a really big family <laughs> in the Middle East, a very, very long time ago, a couple of thousand uh, years ago. Now, a blink of an eye in the four billion year history of the earth, a blink of the eye in the three million years that humans have been walking around. But uh, nevertheless, I think it's interesting. So there's your West and, of course, your, your European and your Middle East. That's mostly Judeo-Christian. Uh, there are many others, of course. You know, in Persia, a very rich uh, culture we call it uh, um, Iran today. And Iraq, my God, uh, Tigris and Euphrates, uh, the heartland, Mesopotamia is the cradle of civilization. And now it's just nothing but a big uh, center for uh, oil and oil resources. Well, these Western three monotheistic religions, all traceable to the same root, uh, the, the Jewish religion, the religion of the Hebrews, um, Christianity spinning off of that, and Muslim, um, which came out of uh, Zoroastrianism, and uh, well, again, from from the Prophet Muhammad, he 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 revealed this work, transchanneled it, you could say. Now, all three of these religions are one kind of religion, one of the three basic types of religion in the world. These three would be the first type, okay, and. Uh, that is a process where religion is a process of salvation, a means of fellowship, certainly a means of worshiping the Most High, but primarily saving your butt because of the fall and your bad and you need redeeming. And there's esoteric truth in that, certainly, uh, you know, to think of just a process of refinement where we desire to know ourselves better, to be better people, and to enjoy the benefits of maxing out our contribution, you know, helping other people, making them smile, giving them an ear, comforting them when they're sad. There's great reward for that, and that seems to be central to what it's all about. But it's framed in the Western uh, as a process of salvation. You are bad in the church is going to sort of be the interpreter or the middleman, and that gives them control. Right? If you think of the trinity of uh, earthly human being with a soul above you and the Holy Father, most divine God, Allah, above that, then it's the plane of the soul or heaven that stands between the Father, the Creator, and its creation. But the church, especially uh, the Christian church, I must say, less so Jewish and Islam, the church pulls the soul out 
um, demeans it as being bad and dirty. Um, remember in catechism as a Catholic kid, they they portrayed the soul as a dirty milk bottle. Right? You had to go to confession to clean your dirty soul. They pull that out of the middle of the Trinity. They rip the heart and soul out of it and then put themselves the church so that in the middle so that we have to serve the church and the church will serve God. It'll interpret. Okay. Um, some say the word vicar in England for a minister or a priest comes from vicarious, meaning uh, we can only experience the divine vicariously through these churches. And to do it directly would make you a mystic and therefore a target of a lot of persecution, which we may touch on later today. There's two other basic types of religion in the world, however, and uh, they're both in the East and in, are, are similar in some ways, just as the, the Christian and the Jew and the uh, Muslim religions, the Hebrew and the Muslim religions, um, but I think we have to separate out the Chinese, and and we're talking basically about Taoism and Confucianism, which again are really not religions; they're like philosophies, or they're codes of how to live. And um, the Golden Rule um, was Confucius. Uh, he didn't know that Moses wrote it earlier, but Confucius in the East. Um, you know, Leviticus in the Middle East, uh, treat your neighbor as you'd like to be treated, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's known as the golden rule in uh, in the East, and, and it was from Confucius. who lived about 800 years after Moses, but they weren't in touch, you can understand. So Confucianism is part of it, and then Taoism, which is based largely on the writings of Lao Tzu uh, and the Tao Te Ching the book that he put together. Now, the problem here is that the the uh, the name Lao Tzu uh, uh, translates roughly the sage or the wise one. And so it's possible, in fact, even likely, that Lao Tzu is a reference to the collected wisdom handed down from time out of mind in that part of the world known as China. That's a big piece of the world, gang. One in four earthlings is Chinese. Uh, it's, you know, Americans are 6%, you know. <laughs> we're 6%, they're like 25% and growing. They may be closer to 30% now. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been keeping track. So Taoism, which is really beautiful, I mean, uh, I think most people on this call are familiar with the Tao sign, that sine wave, S-I-N, sinusoidal wave, black on one side, white on the other, yin and yang, positive, negative, male, female, polarity, and that little dot of the opposite in each, and then proscribed by the circle, which is really a sphere, which then spins, just such a rich... It's like the pendulum. It's just an incredibly rich symbol. That's Taoism. Resist nothing, Taoism. Okay. You flow like water around the rock. The water doesn't fight the rock and say, get out of my way. It just flows around the rock. comes together effortlessly, gracefully, merrily on the other side, tra-la-la. And uh, wouldn't it be nice if we could learn that kind of flow? That's Taoism and combined with the ancient wisdom that is Confucianism, 
You have the Chinese philosophy that life is a living thing. Okay, less a means of salvation, as in the West, than life is organic and it is spontaneous. Okay, now the third group, the Buddhists and the Hindus, okay, and they all have many sects and spin offs like the Jains and the Sikhs and so on, but I'm just talking about the mainstream here. They sort of share that resist not philosophy and also the do no harm philosophy. This is how the martial arts were born, where you don't counterattack and fight back. <clears throat> you, again, go with the flow. You stay balanced and centered, aware of the bigger picture, and then with little effort, you redirect aggressive energy into a harmless direction. That's how a pacifist fights. You don't then counterattack with a fist in the in the face, you know, or a foot on the neck. You walk away, or maybe you run like hell, but real self-defense, you don't have to fight back. And that's why, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the martial artists um, were monks and, and, and priests, and also had the responsibility to defend the helpless. This is another ethic that we see in Europe as chivalry, and of course its relationship to Christianity as well, the King Arthur legends. Um, wonderful, rich uh, culture. King Arthur, I love that stuff. Sword in the Stone and all of that. Very, very rich uh, esoteric tradition. Okay. And then the third group would be the Hindu uh, Buddhist group. Um, Buddhism is like uh, spun off of Hinduism, formerly Brahmanism, uh, in much the same way as Christianity is a Hebrew cult, you know, based on the teachings of this rabbi, Jesus the Christ. Uh, so they share a lot, and as I say, uh, Hinduism and Buddhism together reflect a lot of what we have just described in Taoism and Confucianism. But if in the West, the Judeo-Christian and Muslim traditions are a path of salvation, and if in China, Confucianism and Taoism is life as an organic, living thing, to be lived spontaneously and in the now. All right. While Buddhism and Hinduism shares that, they also add a layer of life is a drama or a dance and essentially an illusion where we get really good seats to this performance and we even participate in the performance, but we forget that this is just a show. It's a, it's a drama. And... Um, it is what it is, and it's all for the good of the one life. Uh, and, and that, oh, I should also mention the in in the East in two and three, uh, the Chinese Confucianism, Taoism, the, the the Buddhism, and the Hinduism. There is also a sense of the one life being whole and not separated, separated in earth, on, on earth, but um, being. <laughs> in form separated and diverse but as energy just being this one thing that there's just one mind and one heart uh, at work in the universe but in all of these many forms. In the West the Hebrew the Christian and the Muslim see one God but they separate it from its creation and believe that that which is divine is a form 
a being in form, a man on a cloud, and therefore stands outside of its creation and is very, very threatened by anybody who sees the divine in nature. Hence the uh, the persecution of the pagans and uh, and you know, just mystics in general, anybody who celebrated the divine, you know, and people that live close to the land always do every place in the world, and they always have. They see the wind go through the trees, and they see the breath of God in that. And the scientist comes along and says, "Well, actually, it's the result of a high pressure area approaching with winds aloft at 18 miles an hour." Now the jet stream. Well, fine. I love science. That's wonderful. Tell us more. Uh, learn to predict it and even manage it if you want. But what's that got to do with the breath of God? <laughs> you know, we we have to combine the two. There's no reason that we have to make these choices just because we feel like separated beings in separated forms. All of our thinking tends to be separated thinking. Take it apart. Logic. Be reasonable deductive, reductionist thinking. How about some put-together thinking sometime? That's what philosophy is really for. So there's so much more that I could say about these three, but in terms of talking about, well, I'm a spiritual person, yeah, I'm trying to figure this stuff out and find you know, the nature of existence and my role in it, but I'm really not religious. I can't really fit into any of these. And, well, those Easter ones, especially, I don't really get that. And the saffron robes and the Sanskrit words. and I can't even sit like that, those yogis, and what is all of that about? And, and yet, nobody can deny the influence of Eastern spiritual culture in the West as we cast about and try to find meaning in the contradictions of Islam, uh, the Hebrew religion and uh, the Jewish people and uh, Christianity uh, all tracing their lineage to Abraham and their idea of salvation I could go on and on about these three but again just to summarize the uh, this uh, group we're most familiar with the Judeo-Christian and Islam traditions uh, really about salvation about cleaning the dirty soul and and, and refining uh, bad uh, and wrong and evil to good and they have some very definite ideas some very specific rules and regulations about how to do that the Chinese uh, a quarter almost a third of the world uh, Confucianism more of a an, an attitude or a, a folk wisdom a way of life a way of being of treating other people um Confucianism and Taoism a little more refined. Uh, seeing life as an organic, living thing, spontaneous in the moment. In the spring, the grass grows. That's a, actually, that's a Buddhist koan, but it's less a koan than just an observation that it happens automatically. And you don't have to really make life happen. If you just sit, life will <laughs> continue to happen without you. But the Westerner is so afraid it's going to happen to him or her instead of coming out of them that uh, that we try to manage and anticipate it and get our strangle hold on life. And then uh, 
Hinduism and Buddhism, more of a drama, more of a play. Life is an illusion, still a very important and significant illusion, but essentially just a drama of the mind. Uh, it's as if we're all on the holodeck, right? Remember the second TV Star Trek Next Generation and the holodeck? and how cool that was. Well, that's where we are, they would argue. Many, 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 hundreds of millions of people in the world see this existence as basically a, a holodeck. All right. And uh, if you're like me, you're probably a, a Judeo-Christian, uh, Sufi, that's Islam, Buddhist, uh, Confucian, Taoist. Uh, you're pulling on all of them. And then there's no place for us in any of them. Okay, there really isn't. We can't identify with one. There's too much richness there. Well, could there be a consensus? Could there be a perennial, year after year after year, a timeless and ageless wisdom, an esoteric philosophy with bones, that had a, a framework that was as reasonable and logical and empirically, in some ways, demonstrable, just like the scientific method has allowed us to uncover many of the laws of physics, we can learn the laws of metaphysics and we can practice these spiritual laws of mind and heart in our lives and see their effects. Uh, but we have to take a certain level of responsibility to seek a more enlightened state. That's a process, not a place, not a destination. It is the way of enlightenment, the scale of perfection, uh, a process of refinement, if you will, but more about self-realization than cleaning your dirty soul. Your soul is fine. It's pure and beautiful, and it's already in heaven projecting us into this physical incarnation. We are its dream, if you will. Boy, imagine the chaos in the world if suddenly, it wouldn't be sudden, of course, but if suddenly some significant percentage of people got it, oh my, oh my goodness, my soul's already in heaven. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to be of service to my neighbor and to treat him uh, the way I'd like to be treated. Okay. So these are the big three, right? And, and now we're going to talk about, well, where do we stand as spiritual people that really don't fit into any of these? We fit into all of them in some general ways, but I'm sorry. This is probably the most critical I'll be this morning. Religion tends to be elementary school. In fact, arguably, it's nursery school. And uh, it needs to be, not as it is, it could certainly be better. For example, the promotion of war, crusades, jihads, based on religion is just madness, absolute madness. The righteous war, the just war. This is ridiculous and not protecting people. This is going to steal oil with priests blessing battleships and refusing to feed people who need to be fed in this world while we build more nuclear submarines that have absolutely no mission other than to make money for the people in the racket. Uh, 
big protection racket. We've got to blow the cover off of this. And it's beginning to happen, of course. And a lot of it are these uh, spiritual people. I don't know how many people who are attracted to this kind of mystery school teaching think of themselves as mystics or occultists or New Agers or, as I've been saying here today, well, I'm a spiritual person, whatever that means. I just don't really go to church. I don't, I don't really dig religion. In fact, I think it's rather repressive and evil, and it's a promotion of war and fear and suffering and separatism. It's threats of hellfire and eternal damnation. And where does that leave us? Well, let, first of all, is there a difference between a mystic and an occultist? Yeah, but not much sort of like the difference between Buddhism and Taoism and uh, uh, the mystical sides of uh, Christianity and such, uh, Sufism. Um, it's, it's a fine point, but basically the mystic tends to stand in his or her contemplation open and receptive to divine influence, to be less resistant and more open and receptive to the downward impress of divine spirit, God's will, so to speak, and God's love as awareness of it. All right? That's as much as I'll say about that. And thereby, the mystic raises his or her consciousness or awareness of reality. And then when they come out of their reverie or their contemplative or meditative state, they can be more mindful in the world and bring that with them and, you know, transcend a lot of suffering and be good teachers and ministers uh, to others of how to escape the suffering that goes with this delusion of the uh, uh, dream or sometimes nightmare of this world of form. The occultist, on the other hand, goes to the same level in their contemplation and in the same way stand receptive for the same reasons but they're more interested in building and refining form below the occultist is the magician Christ was in fact a great occultist this is the magician the fishes and the loaves and the walking on water and I'm not talking about sleight of hand and and uh, delusion optical illusions and misperception and redirection and all of that stage magic, you know, like Las Vegas. I'm talking about the real magician, the hermit car, the the the, uh, the soul, the part of you that, uh, like the most divine, uh, can manifest. We're not that good at it, but the laws work for us, too. They have to, because we're in the image of the Creator, right? So the law of attraction has come to be called the secret um, an old one is mind precedes matter. Most people in the world think mind is the result of matter. Well, what if matter were the result of mind? Every time you see M&M's, think of mind precedes matter. Think of it more often than that, in fact. I jones for those things. <laughs> Don't eat them anymore, but I jones for them. Mind precedes matter. Mysticism and magic. Lots of M's in here. Okay. Um, so the occultist wants to bring that power, that light down, 
into a better world, to manifest form. Again, it's not like voila, like the simple cartoonish idea of rubbing Aladdin's lamp and the genie comes out and grants your wish, uh, or even as silly as The Secret, the DVD, uh, portrayed it to be about fast cars and big houses. It's about magnetizing consciousness, uh, circumstance, organizing circumstance, bringing order out of chaos, and its effect on relationships and opportunities and situations. It's supposed to be mysticism. It's about the mystery. It's supposed to be mysterious. It's supposed to be esoteric enough that it always intrigues us. Sometimes it eludes us altogether, and it's hard to even get a handle on it. It's like, whoa, how do I reorient to this stuff that I know I believe when I'm really clear about it, but there's so many other times in my life that I'm not clear about it. And there, of course, is the importance of meditation and contemplation and setting aside 10 or 20 minutes once or more a day. I mean, even 10 minutes once a day uh, to meditate, that's how you get reoriented. If you can't do that, you can just focus on your breath and do it in a matter of moment. Awaken to the mindfulness that you're not a character in your life. You're the author and the screenplay and the writer and orchestrator. And Yeah, we clean up afterwards, too. Take the tickets, print the tickets, sell the tickets, <laughs> pocket the money, pay the bills. Uh, this is This is your life, as they used to say. So that's the difference between, somewhat, uh, between a mystic and a, and, and a cultist. What the heck is a new ager? What's a new ager? Well, I know the born-again say we're all Satanists, right? If we're not them, we're evil, we're bad. Bush said it, you're either with us or you're an evildoer. So, some choice. Uh, that brings us to good torture and, as opposed to bad torture. And, and good beheadings as opposed to bad beheadings. I think we've had enough of that see through that scam, so we need something more. What the heck is a New Ager if not a Satanist? <laughs> Only Christians believe in Satan. Um, let's see. A New Ager, you have to really talk about the New Thought movement, born in the 19th century in New England, the, the United States, in the early 1800s, before the Civil War. And New Thought was um, just a sudden burgeoning of interest and growth in metaphysics. Um, our, our wonderful um, American transcendentalists, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau, um, were, of course, mystics. Um, I think they may have called themselves Unitarians or Universalists, but uh, they were mystics, they understood it. And um, let's see, out of that really comes Emma Park Hopkins and uh, Phineas Park Quimby and Judge Thomas Troward. Check out the Edinburgh Lectures by Troward, a British man raised in India, brilliant insight into blending. Like Blavatsky did 50 years later in the late 1800s, the mysticism of the East, with the uh, Freemasonic and uh, Rosicrucian esoteric understanding of Christian mysticism and uh, how that was related to uh, Sufism and Islam, uh, to Kabbalah 
in the Jewish religion and to Hermetic philosophy in the Egyptian. That was rediscovered in the Renaissance era in Europe and greatly influenced these Americans in New England, to a large extent New England, in the early 1800s. Uh, Ernest Holmes comes out of here. His brother, Ernest Holmes, has a brother who moved to Japan, I'm not sure why, and uh, began to teach the same type of thing in Japan where there's a huge movement that parallels the American uh, science of mind uh, movement, religious science. Well, this whole movement came to be known as New Thought. This is the New Thought movement. And the born-agains are not really wrong when they say it's a cultist, you know, uh, or mystical. It really is. There's a lot of spiritual healing and a lot of attempt to recreate the miracles of the Christ. Uh, not to see them merely as gifts, but as gifts, if you will, that everyone has and can develop and that we have a responsibility to develop our gifts of prophecy or gifts of healing. Uh, even speaking in tongues, although that may not mean the glossolalia that it's portrayed to be. I mean, again, we get too deep into the disagreement, we're going to lose our focus. I just want to say, what's a new ager? It's really the result of the New Thought movement from the early 1800s being blended with the hippies in the 60s. And the flower children sort of intuited, they channeled uh, shamanism. Hippies are shamans, and they don't know. They wear moccasins, they dress like American Indians, and uh, flower power, right? Peace, love, and hemp. That's what we're talking about. That's what that was about. And paisley and pastels and chalk on the sidewalk and balloons and blowing bubbles and nonviolence. You see, yeah, there's conflict in the world, but we can resolve it without having to eradicate somebody who disagrees with us. So the flower children pulling on new thought. Uh, from the 19th century really gave rise to what came to be called um, the New Ager. And a seminal book, there's a lot of them, but one that comes to mind, i got to mention, a classic, uh, is Marilyn, Ferguson's, uh, Marilyn uh, Ferguson's Aquarian Conspiracy. I always liked Marilyn, and I, uh, I, I always hoped she could, could follow it up with something as inspired, but, boy, there was a book that wanted to be born. It had a life of its own before she began to write it, I think, and came through her The Aquarian Conspiracy from the early 1980s by Marilyn Ferguson. The Aquarian Conspiracy, what is this new age? Where did it come from? Where is it going? And um, what kind of form might that take? So that's a new ager, mystic, occultist, new ager. Um, what else are we? Then again, we're just this bunch of people that just don't like religion. Maybe we've been burned by it. Maybe, as I said before, we see it as just too simplistic and uh, contradictory and appealing to people who don't want to think for themselves. And that's scary to have to deal with people who don't want to be intelligent and they don't want to understand and they don't want to know the truth. They want to believe. You see. And I mean, this creation debate, it reminds me of a joke I read years and years ago, but it's always stuck in my mind about uh, the Iowa farmer. He could have been from Missouri or Illinois or any place, I guess. This farmer goes to a zoo. 
He's an old-timer. He's never been to a zoo in his life. He's never seen African animals. He doesn't read books. And he's standing in front of a big pen where there are these giraffes, big, tall giraffes. And the Missouri farmer is sitting there with a straw coming out of his mouth, is chewing on the straw, and he looks at that giraffe, and clears his throat and spits, and says, there ain't no such thing, and turns and walks away. You know, religion has to be more than denial of the truth. It needs to be a search for the truth. And that's what we're talking about here. Okay, call yourself a mystic. Call yourself an occultist. Maybe you're a new ager. Maybe you're just a seeker. Maybe you're a metaphysician. Maybe you're just a person who loves having a bleeding heart and loves hugging a tree. And you feel the energy. You're just well-grounded and tuned in. You're a being of light, and you know it. And yes, you exist in a physical body, this sack of protoplasm that separates us from the world and all others with souls and hearts and minds. But it is an illusion, and we can connect. First, by reaching out and holding hands, by feeding each other, by reading to each other, by comforting each other when we're frightened. That's who we are. Maybe we do miss out a little bit by not having the fellowship the church provides. And maybe we should be more formal in our worship and our reverence for the mystery of existence. Uh, so that's fine. I don't want to oppose religion. I'd just like to have it be more about love and the search for truth than to be as it so often is about fear and a denial of truth. And they're afraid, largely, of enlightened, non-religious people. So account for that, and do not, do not frighten them further. <laughs> you know, uh, we can only do so much. But it's, you know, it, for all the evils of church, again, the the uh, the crusades, you know, genocide, pedophilia. Uh, just ruling by fear. A thousand years of dark ages in Europe while the world is prospering and growing in the East and, and the Middle East and the West. Europe, dominated by the church's state, uh, goes backwards toward the Stone Age. People scratching in the dirt with a stick and speaking in vocabularies of a thousand words. It's just absurd. So, time for you guys to jump in. If, uh, we're live on this Labor Day weekend, the 31st of August, 2008. If you're with us live now uh, by telephone, you can always email me, and I'll be happy to respond, mb at michaelbenner.com or mb at theagelesswisdom.com, and I'll get back to you. But those of you listening now live on the web, you'll see a box at the bottom of the page where you can put a question or a comment or just a how-do-do, first name, uh, first and last, if you wish, and the city where you are, and hit the submit button, and uh, I'll acknowledge you, say hi to you, and respond to any questions or comments that you may have about this. And then we'll do our visualization exercise, our guided imagery exercise, and go to a place of perfect peace. Talk about pro uh, the process of reflection and adding to the physical sensation of existence 
by a much more refined sensation, uh, rich and replete with insight and understanding that uh, is available when we turn away from physical sensation. First up this morning was uh, Charlotte in Montreal, Quebec. Bonjour, Charlotte. Very nice to hear from you. In Oxnard, Randall. Aloha, Michael. Aloha, Randall. Uh, dear friend and wonderful student, uh, uh, Carol Postel in La Habra. Good morning, Carol. She says, Happy Labor Day. I mentioned that once. I keep forgetting it's Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. I hope you all get Monday off. And uh, maybe we should uh, do a little thing honoring labor. It's a very important holiday, but if you honor labor uh, uh, these days, you're a socialist or a commie or a Marxist or worse. Well, the hell with that. Um, you know, where would this country be without labor, without, you know, strong backs, and people willing to do hard work, people who came to America from all over the world looking for a dream and Oh, yeah, there was that genocide thing uh, with the Indians, and, yeah, we uh, slaughtered the buffalo. Sorry about that, but it's all true. It's all true. We have much to celebrate. We should have a holiday where we spend a day being ashamed of our behavior in the world. That'd, that'd be a holy day, wouldn't it? Different kind of celebration. Um, very good friend of mine, a student uh, for a lot of years in a killer guitar player, um, Dave Murdy in Brea says, Hi, I'm glad to be tuned in. My solo guitar CD is done, and I want to send it to you. Good, killer. Dave sent me uh, some Christmas music on this guitar uh, a couple of years ago, and I have that in my iTunes. Thank you. Um, and let's see, David, who else? Lorelai Hatch, of course, from Surprise, Arizona. Peace and love, Lorelai says, and aloha, Michael, John in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, he says hi to Doreen, too. So let me refresh the screen, see if there's any others. I guess that's about it. So uh, that's my presentation, cursory though it may be, of where we stand. Um, and, and keep that in mind. Again, there is a perennial philosophy. There is an ageless wisdom. There is a reliable bare bones. We talk about it every week here. That's why I want you to keep coming back and hopefully tell those friends of yours who are interested. I don't want you to, you know, go out and preach <laughs> anything to anybody. But I bet you know people who are looking for this kind of stuff. And you know, Most of the time I'm not laying it down exactly like it is and saying this is the only way you can think, then that would be religion, wouldn't it? I'm just saying, look at all the many ways to think. What 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 fills you? What what allows your heart to swell? You know, and uh, sing your own song. And how does that sound? So, whether we call ourselves just spiritual but not religious, whether we call ourselves New Agers or mystics or occultists or free spirits or shamans or whatever. Um, we have to meditate. We have to meditate. And if I say prayer and meditate, I don't think there's really a difference. Um, a lot of folks think of prayer as a petition, 
but they don't listen for an answer. They want signs out in the world, but if they would but listen. That many Christian churches especially, but also others, uh, teach that meditation is bad. And that prayer is, here I have a script for you, I have a prayer for you to say. Well, meditation and contemplation uh, can certainly include that, but it has to also include its receptive state, where we breathe and we create and sense a feeling of letting go throughout our whole bodies. And the mind begins to quiet, and the emotional nature begins to calm all by itself. And as sense and sensation falls away, we become aware of a whole other set of senses. And information is shown to us and revealed to us, and light is shown. An information that's been in your head and your heart all along, but maybe it's just didn't see until you reflected, contemplated, meditated, slowed down that brain, or really allowed it. You know, the funny thing is you do the process, the the mind begins to quiet by itself. You don't have to do anything to make it happen other than let go. And the emotional nature becomes calm, and you don't have to do anything to force that to become calm, you allow it. For the madness of eight or ten thoughts in your mind at once and and an emotional nature and turmoil is the result of what we do when our eyes are open and we're afraid of all these separated unknown forms out there in the world. Many of them are coming to get us and many, you know, if you actually are it turns out. So we have to add to study a practice of meditation and contemplation that we then take into the world when we open our eyes and awaken from the practice, and that's the mindfulness. That's the third part. Study, reflection, and mindfulness in your daily life and affairs. That's that's what it's all about instead of religion, or in addition to religion, if you see yourself as standing on the shoulders of those who think of themselves as religious. I like Houston Smith. You know, he's, he is seriously, in his mind and heart, great writer and philosopher, Houston Smith, a member of five religions. He practices five religions, or maybe it's four, daily, right? And has no problem with it. Well, that to me is a mystic, right? Only instead of practicing the dogma of the religion, you catapult yourself to a more independent understanding of what fills your heart. And we're all looking for love. You know, if religious people upset you because they seem to be ignorant, see if you can find where they're searching for love and love them for that and help them to find their search for love. And love is truth, not the denial of truth. (laughs) You don't pursue spiritual love by denying the truth of the physical world. Uh, You have to acknowledge the truths of science and the arts and the physical world, all of its beauty, all of its majesty, and and yes, it's 4 billion years old, not 6,000. No matter what the book says, a man wrote that down. And he was a trance channel, he was a psychic. I mean, (laughs) come on. Uh, So it's, it's that these books have stood the test of time and the ageless wisdom. Uh, 
somewhat general, certainly. Flexible, that's the best word for it, is, are these ideas from all cultures and all times that have stood the test of time. They are perennial philosophy. Read that book, too, Aldous Huxley, The Perennial Philosophy. Buy that book. Very important book. See, Then you can be a Christian, Buddhist, Taoist, Jewish, Sufi, Hindu mystic. See, Did I leave out the shamans? I hope not. And people who just like to dance and sing and celebrate life I hope not. Uh, close your eyes and relax, provided this is an appropriate time, good time. If you're driving a car, it would not be a good time. Uh, as you exhale, a few slow, deep breaths. Feel the letting go. Create and sense. In your body, feel yourself in your body and then let go of that. And remind yourself you're safe and that it's okay to be relaxed. And In 10 or 15 minutes, you open your eyes, jump in your car, and go out on the freeway at a high rate of speed. You may not want to feel so safe and relaxed, but for now, it feels great to let go. Ah, do it again. Ah, you don't have to make the noise. I'll do the noise. But feel stress and tension just melting away. How safe can you feel? How relaxed can you allow your muscles to be? How much peace and love are you willing to expose yourself to? feeling very safe and relaxed, just imagine yourself in your mind's eye walking through a beautiful forest or a meadow. Heck, it might be a desert or a seashore. You could be on top of a mountain or deep in a valley in a, in a farm someplace walking through a cornfield. Or maybe there's a room in your house that you set up to be like the sanctuary and spiritual space. So imagine being there if you're not already. And use this. Hook into it. Anchor yourself into a sense that this is my beautiful place of perfect peace. And look around with the feeling that making it up is exactly the right feeling, but still don't work at it. Allow it to just roll, to unfold before you. There are the trees, and there's some bushes and grass over here, and here's a sunny meadow, and here's a dark forest, and oh, here's a little stream and a pond and a lookout. And the sky is blue. And it's one of those perfect days with the white puffy clouds that you can actually watch floating. You can watch as you sit upon the earth, so solid, so supportive, such integrity. You can watch those clouds drifting by. You can pretend that for the next few minutes, there's nothing you'd rather be doing and 
nothing else that you'd rather be doing and, and no place else you'd rather be than in this beautiful place, this peaceful place of ideal relaxation. And consider that this place, this garden, this Eden, is your cathedral. And the towering trees, as majestic as any Gothic church, beautiful though they may be, they are fashioned by the hands of men. Here, nature has a life of its own. As if each tree longs within itself to grow toward the light. And if hit by lightning and topped, it continues to grow. Or if pruned, may grow off horizontally in another direction. So strong is the desire or the longing to be alive. It's a natural aspiration. To be more doesn't mean you're bad and need to be saved. It just means there's more. And it's not success that makes us happy in life. It's happiness that is the journey through success. Happiness is the way. And that's peace and feeling safe and relaxed. And here's a great place to do it. where you sit open and receptive to a divine impress to a sense of coherency to an order that feels really good uh, it, 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 the, the very first feelings are that there is something beyond the appearance of things something really whole something big inconceivably huge that feels organized and even intelligent and even loving and really quite safe. See if you can experience that now. By doing nothing other than opening yourself to that precipitation down, to that gentle impress That whisper that says, you are so much more than that. Fear not. You are so much more than you believe yourself to 
be. Remind yourself in these states of peace and safety that there is no contradiction at all in acknowledging within the one life your uniqueness and diversity. To talk or even be aware of the concept of the one and the many that is spirit or energy, all that is, is all that is. Just one thing at work, an ocean of consciousness, of energy. And many diverse forms, material forms. It's the heart and the soul of things. It's, it's the receptiveness of things that stands at the interface of the one and the many the group the soul the higher self love truth consciousness this moment dare to feel it how much love how much truth how much reality beyond the veil Are you willing to experience? Are you willing to experience? You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to preach or teach. You don't have to share or compare. This is private. This is personal. You may not even have words for it. But commit yourself to your practice, not Michael Benner's, not some other mystic or guru. The master is within you. Listen and look. In this inner landscape, that you might see and hear who you are the nature of existence why you're here what you're for How to go about doing it. Know yourself not by your thoughts, but by your feelings in this way. Know others with eyes open out in the world with that magnificent thinking mental nature. But in these states, while the higher mind is always with us, Look into your heart. Allow your emotions to lead you to an even more refined substance. More ephemeral, but much more meaningful than emotions. Arriving often with a sense of confirmation, I am 
okay. My interests, the things I love to do, feel it. These are my talents. These are my gifts. This is where I'm supposed to go. No matter what others in the world around me may say, I'm gathering the courage to follow my heart. To follow the heart. To throw the heart out in front. To let your, if not emotional, certainly the spiritual nature on the other side of the emotional nature, let it guide you. It's your GPS system. It is the way. The Christos, the Buddha nature within, the higher self, the soul, spoken of in all the traditions that are more esoteric than fundamental. That are allegorical rather than only literal. That seek the truth rather than deny it that serve the Most High rather than the institutions of the earth. And yet from the middle, from the heart, we reconcile and harmonize. And the playing field is the self. And then radiate your peace and your love out into the world. Be the change, as Gandhi said. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Be the peace and love you wish to see in the world. Change the world now from the inside out. Come again tomorrow and maybe even for a little bit later today to this beautiful place of perfect peace. This place of ideal safety and relaxation. Even though you know you're just making it up and pretending that's exactly the right feeling. Just to experience standing open and receptive to those magical and mystical impressions from the other side. that reveal that there is no other and never was. It's just us. Feel the peace of knowing it's just us here. There's nobody else that's not us. To the exclusion of no one and no thing, justice, peace, and justice, from realizing there's one thing at work, be part of that, get on board, and then bring this light and this awareness, this little bit of realization with you back into the waking state as I suggest to you in just a few moments from now that you at that time open your eyes wide awake and alert and refreshed and rested with a full memory and a really profound understanding though simple 
found. You can bring that with you easily and effortlessly as you reorient yourself now to the sound of my voice. Prepare to do this waking. Remember where you are and take a nice, slow, deep breath. Hold for just a moment, and now as you slowly exhale, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, back in the room, feeling really good, full memory of uh, this process, an awareness of the benefits of uh, practicing it, and uh, hopefully of joining us every Sunday whenever you can, you know. And remember, this page on the web becomes a replay page like five minutes after the event's over. So if you came in late and you want to hear the first part, you can do that. Go get a glass of water, a cup of juice, or coffee, or whatever, and by the time you come back, uh, it'll be all ready to go for you here. About five minutes, I think, it takes. And uh, then you can forward that to your friends uh, again. There's nothing to join here. There's nothing. Uh, there's no one right way. This is not religion. It's wisdom. It's philosophy and science. It's a perpetual search for truth uh, based on inner sense sensations that, that don't conflict but add to what we get through the physical sense and sensation and comes from love not fear it's really quite simple so tell your friends about it I mentioned at the beginning of today's class that and I'd never really thought about this before soliciting it but some of you are listening on podcasts and that's free, of course, and on most directories in the Internet, and certainly on the Big Deal directory, which is the iTunes store. And so you, you could be on vacation or at somebody else's computer and go into the iTunes store, type in Michael Benner podcast, look in the podcast, uh, uh, not the music albums, um, although just enter Michael Benner and they'll pop right up there. It'll say podcast. And uh, you can subscribe there for free with a single click. And you can also write a review, and that's what I'm getting to. If you want to say something nice, uh, give me 17 or 18 stars or whatever you, <laughs> whatever is the deal. So that other people who are shopping for this kind of programming and are not aware of my radio programs in Los Angeles at KABC and KLOS and KLSX and of course, KPFK for the last 14 years, uh, will know a little bit about who I am. And then they can listen to it right there. You can listen to it right there, not just a sample of each, but all the podcasts are right there in the iTunes Music Store. And also on my website at uh, theagelesswisdom.com. So write me a review if you get a chance at the iTunes Music Store for this Ageless Wisdom Mystery School webinar. Um, no hype. Don't, you don't have to hype me, uh, blow smoke, just, uh, you know, support us and love us and tell the truth. <laughs> Honest and accurate is all I would ask for. And uh, so thanks very much for that. So be sure that uh, people who you know who are interested in this have found out about it. Forward these emails with the link to these programs. Know that the archive lives on my website at theagelesswisdom.com and you can listen to any of the last programs, either streaming or download the MP3 to your computer. You can also subscribe to the podcast I just discussed at that same place. Go to Web Teleconference. That's the tab. All right. So, theagelesswisdom.com and then 
click on home page to go inside or free newsletter, do that too. And then web teleconference, pretty logical, they're all there. Have fun, give them away to your friends. And uh, also the big button, finding yourself in paradise. We're just a week or two away from a really streamlined system and a new look and, and we're adding content and it's 99 cents and and we'd really love you to check that out. So uh, click on the big white button on the lower part of the screen if you're listening uh, live or to a, a replay and not on the phone or listening to a podcast. Um, those of you who are on the phone or listening to a podcast, go to the agelesswisdom.com and focusedpassion.com for the premium podcast that Steve and I do. Eventually it will all be unified, but we're phasing it in. i got to tell you, we just recorded the 45th program of Finding Yourself in Paradise. And the self, obviously, is higher self in paradise is this alpha brainwave level in your mind. And uh, uh, we're getting some really nice feedback and a lot of inquiries where there's uh, an interest in business for some of the uh, seminars we're doing on managing yourself so as to be a better manager of other people. Uh, relationship management, people skills, businesses are looking for this. But uh, it's it's always nice, too, to hear from you. So let me, if you get a chance, you know, shoot me an email and uh, be don't want your public comment read on the uh, uh, seminar here, or the webinar, the class, whatever we want to call it, the teleconference, uh, shoot me an email, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. My initials, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. I have a voicemail service, good 24-7. You get in trouble, you get freaked out, you're scared, somebody else doesn't know what to do, freaked out. I, that's what I do over the phone. Right, it's uh, coaching and training and counseling, and a, a lot of guided imagery and visualization work. Uh, what we used to call hypnotherapy, and uh, putting these skills to practice in, in your life and affairs. If you want to talk to me, intake session is free. Uh, about twenty minute intake is free. Eight one eight five six nine thirty seventeen. We'll do all the commercials at the end here. 818-569-3017, anytime, 24-7, leave a message, I'll call you back, or somebody will get back to you, and uh, then we'll set up that free intake session, I'll talk to you or your friend. Don't let people be afraid. The world is so terrifying and so scary. There are things we can do, like breathe, like talk to somebody that knows how to help you feel safe again. I, you know, I, It's a pretty good investment in yourself. Uh, to discover that there's really nothing to be afraid of. Fear is always a nightmare. Okay, You can have your concerns, and we want to explore negativity in our lives, though quickly and elegantly, but there's no reason to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Honest, I wouldn't lie to you. That's a journalist talking, not some flaky guru. <laughs> I'm the news guy, right? And uh, so... That's it for this week. Thank you very much for being here. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful, safe, and joyous Labor Day weekend. That, to me, means barbecue and family and neighbors coming over. So uh, enjoy yourselves. Do be safe on the highway. That's where the maniacs are. And uh, we want you back uh, next week. 
again, tell your friends. Think about posting that review in the iTunes store for this as a podcast. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner from Maui, Hawaii. Aloha. <laughs>